Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Good morning, sisters. Who is grateful to be in the house this morning? Yeah, who is grateful to be in the house this morning? Tell me, who feels less lost today because they find themselves in the irresistible one. Amen? Who feels like, you know what? I have roared my declaration that has crushed fear and set me free. Yes, Leanne, can we just thank you for how you led us last night? Thank you, truly. Can we just honor you, Bobby? as the mother of the house, as the mother of the sisterhood. We love you to the galaxies and back. Truly, you have been a constellation in our sky, leading us deeper into the Father's heart. Thank you, Bobby. And our worship, Taya, Brooke, Laura, thank you. You are truly modern-day psalmists, daughters of David, voices of angels. Please, to your last breath, never stop leading us to Jesus' feet. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, sisters, are we ready to roll? Have a seat. Tell me, have you undeniably encountered the living, moving, passionate love of Christ this weekend. Yes. Around the planet right now, around the planet, what's happening? Yeah, around the planet right now, there is a shutting down of everything. But the gates of hope, of heaven itself, is wide open. Are our hearts this morning wide open for what God wants to do in us today? And as doors around the planet are shutting, Jesus says to you, I am the door. Walk into me, be enclosed in me. Make no mistake, There is a reason why you are in the room this morning. I mean, whoever could imagine around the globe right now, large gatherings are being banned and God saw fit that you would be in the room this morning. God has a word for you today that you cannot miss, sisters, to light your heart on fire for Him, 
to walk outside of these doors blazing with Christ for a world that is dark that can't not miss him. I am praying for you for a fresh anointing from heaven on every single one of us that Jesus saw fit to be in the room this morning. Father, we are here to hear from you. We are ready to lean in. Let's go. I'm going to tell you another story, a story that sort of split my own heart wide open. It was um, a couple of years back, my husband and I were driving on our back country roads in Canada, um, and we were headed into the city to an appointment that was really important. Um, we were driving to our first home study to adopt a little girl with an actual literal broken heart. And I, I turned to my husband behind the, the steering wheel, and I said to him, Fama, did I say that right? Fama? Yeah. <laughs> I get to stay in Australia. <laughs> Fama. Fama. Um, I got it. <laughs> Thank you, Cass. <laughs> I told him, you know what? Like, we, we can't do this. We got way too much going on in our lives. And, you know, to adopt, you sort of have to have it together. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like a failure as a mom? Like, who am I to sign up to adopt another baby? Like, there's no way we can, we can do this, hon. There's just absolutely no way. And the words weren't even out of my mouth. And my phone laying beside me on the truck seat rings. And you're going to think every time I get into a vehicle, strange things happen. <laughs> Come for a drive with me. <laughs> um, but the, the phone rang, and it was like God saying, excuse me? No way? Do you ever say something, as soon as the word's out of your mouth, you feel this tap on your shoulder and God saying, excuse me? You say something is impossible? Or do you believe that I am God of the impossible? Do you say that you've got a mountain ahead of you that's too great? Or is the God in you greater than that mountain? Do you think that that the storm you're facing, that I'm not the God who calms not just one storm, but all the storms, especially the storm inside of you. Yeah, and as the phone rings, I, I let it sort of go to, does anyone have that Voxer app on their phone? Oh, you gotta get Voxer. I, I let it go to the Voxer app. Cause it, it could be God, you don't wanna pick up if it's God in real time, right? <laughs> and the voice says, hey there, Anne. Okay. Um, not God, good, not today. <laughs> it was, it was boy, said, maybe Ellie. I hadn't heard from Ellie in, in maybe six months to a year. We got on tour before together. Um, Ellie is a musician in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm sitting there in the front seat of the truck, um, speeding towards this appointment to adopt a baby girl, saying there's absolutely no way. And Ellie's saying in real time on my Voxer app, hey, I, I just wanted to reach out to you because you, you wrote a word a line on your blog last week, and it really stuck in my head. And apparently the words that I had written, it's a sentence out of a blog post that was, an unseen hope makes a Red Sea road where there seems to be no way. <laughs> and I turned to the fama <laughs> and, and say, I, I wrote that? Obviously, I'm the woman with chronic soul amnesia. I forget these things over and over again. And, and Ali says, you know, 
I've put this song, this line, Anne, into a song. And I can hear her start to pluck the guitar right there on the, the Voxer message. And she's sitting in a studio in Nashville, and she said, can, can I just play the song to you in real time? <laughs> okay. And I actually have the recording still in my Voxer app on the phone, and this is what I heard. And she says, I love you, Anne. Talk to you soon. Click. <laughs> What just happened there? I turned to my husband, jaw slacked and God awed. And I said like, you know what? Maybe sometimes God does call you in real time and it sounds like the voice of a friend, but don't miss the voice of God that walks into your impossible places. When you think there is no way, God is always making a way. The Waymaker is always making a way to get to you so you know that hope will come to you. Grace is always coming to meet you. And just like that verse from Jude, love is on its way. When we see an endlessness of wilderness, know that our God sees a place to endlessly woo. When we can't see a way is exactly where our God makes highway. When we see chaos, panic, and fear right now, God sees faith, hope, and love. When we see absolutely no hope, God sees absolutely no hope to His power, to His plans, to His passionate love, and His good purpose for you, sisters. Do not solely trust the way your eyes see, but trust the one who can split any Red Sea. Lean in, lean in. Every one of God's ways in your life is making a thousand other ways in a thousand other lives so you can trust Him this morning in all of His ways. I turned to my husband and said, okay, what just happened there? Because <laughs> did a song just fall out of heaven? Because that wasn't the radio. And the fama, his eyes don't leave the road. And he says to me with confidence, you just finished telling me, Anne, that there was absolutely no way. No way you could figure out a way to take a baby with a busted heart into your own broken heart. And it looks like God just called you and did what he says in Zephaniah and sang a song over you in real time, live, like an immediate answer to your question. When there is no way through, he will part the waves and we will never walk alone on a Red Sea road. But you know what? My doubts, they're loud. And I keep thinking like, how? How in the world are you going to split the ocean and make a way for a little baby girl from China to come all the way to our farm? And how would he lead us deeper up, higher up into himself? So let's pause on that China story and detour from a baby girl to Kenya, to the desert, to a woman I met in Africa, who tells me this crazy story. Her name was Debayo. Debayo is telling me the history of her people, the Rendili people, that says they walked through a sea of water right through to this corner of the desert. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
And Mayo tells me it was too hard for our people to find a way through our largest lake in Kenya, Lake Turkana. And we didn't have a whole lot of time to avert a war against other tribes. I'm thinking, wait, what is she talking about? She's not telling me a Bible story. She's telling me the story that her people carry as their own traditional story. And I'm thinking, maybe, maybe the point is every single person that you see is facing their own Red Sea. Every day we all need to find a way through what is in the way. And I'm sort of speechless listening to Debile's low, deep voice telling me the deeper history of our own people. And she says, but if a sun would enter the waters, Debile tells me, our people believe that the sun may drown in the waters, but his sacrifice would split the waters in two. Wow. <laughs> this is the traditional story of the Rendili people of Northern Kenya, one of the most hostile deserts in all of Africa. And she's telling me a story about a son entering the waters to split the waters. And she says, quote, the old man said we needed a savior to save the people. And I'm split wide open and I'm thinking this is all of our histories running through all of our veins. This is the story that doesn't change. Either there's no way through, or you need the sun himself to make a way through. Either the waves in front of you look like there's no way, or you have a way through, and his name is Jesus, and he is always the way, the truth, the life. Either there's no way through, you're impossible, or Jesus himself enters your depths and made himself into your Red Sea Road. A young friend tells me a few months ago that her husband and her are facing infertility and she doesn't know if they're ever going to be able to have children. She says, like, Anna, I don't know what the road ahead of us holds. One of my closest friends right now, her marriage is imploding, 16 years, and she says to me, like, Aunt, I don't know, where is my family going to be a year from now? Will we be together? What will things look like for my kids? I don't know what the road ahead of us holds. And I mean, I get it. I'm the mother of seven kids. I don't know what the future holds for those kids or what's up ahead. I mean, look at all of the headlines right now. All of us are wondering, what does the future hold? And I turn to my fama often and say, remind me again about what's up ahead. And he says the only words that matter. John 17, 6 in the message says, Jesus said, I am the road. You may not know what the road holds, but Jesus is your road and he holds you, sisters. And when Jesus is your road, you are guaranteed to always end up exactly where you need to get to be. No matter what impossible you're facing, no matter what the headlines say, no matter what tomorrow holds, Jesus is our Red Sea Road. We always have a way through our own Red Sea Road because Jesus is the one who bled red. Jesus is the one who will bring us through and he will bring us right into the heart of our Father. We are always already home. I don't know what impossible Red Sea you've got in front of you right now. An impossible in your family, 
your marriage, with your people, your kids, an impossible past, an impossible future. And maybe it's kind of hard to resist some doubts and some worries and stay in the irresistible one. Maybe you feel a little bit, a little bit like the Israelites, like Israelites this morning who'd escaped Egypt only to turn around and see the red dust of the desert being whipped up by Egyptian terriers storming across and the expanse of the Red Sea out in front of them. And the Israelite tribes, they're bickering and the tensions are rising, terror sort of rising like a tsunami and the people are railing against Moses and wailing against God. And the former slaves, they are still enslaved to not seeing any possibility. Because the truth is, the scholars say that for every 10,000 Israelites, there was only one Egyptian coming across that desert. Wow, 10,000 to one, folks. Sometimes we don't see accurately. It's exactly what Leanne said last night. Fear is a con artist that stretches things, that twists the way we see things. Like Leanne said last night, fear can make us wayward. A wrong perspective will always drive you in the wrong direction. The only way to find the way is to keep looking the right way, to keep looking Jesus' way. Look to Jesus, the irresistible one, and resist looking any other way, folks. You may look at your future, your relationships, your family, your dreams and hopes, and only see an absolute sea of impossible in front of you. But our God, our God makes Red Sea roads out of dead-end roads. Our God makes an unseen highway out of unbelievable waves, sister. Listen to me, our God makes the way through exactly what is in the way. Are you tracking with me? So this is what I did. And I keep doing it every single day out of my own impossibles. I keep returning to the way of Moses here in the book of Exodus. And it's become my spiritual practice, my way of life, my rule of life. These spiritual practices to stay in Jesus' way. You ready to go with me? I want you to grab your pens, open up your journal, or open up your phone to the notes app. We're gonna get really practical here. You need some real tools to walk out of this room and to face the impossibles in front of all of us. So we're really gonna get really practical, some actual daily habits and daily steps so that when you walk out of these doors today, you got some tools to remain in the irresistible one. So okay, we're gonna lean in. Text says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. The Lord shall do battle for you and you shall keep what? Still. That's Moses' way. When you are caught between a rock and a hard place, the first step is to not be afraid and to always stay still. Your battle is to still while God does the battle. Your battle is to still and no matter what, to trust God still. Because when we are facing the impossibles, choosing stillness is our brazen act of trustfulness. Every time I look at my no way, I can take this deep breath and I still and I realize I can't do a thing here, but my God, he can do anything. 
my God can do the whole thing. Maybe if we'd still and stop struggling trying to be God, we could trust God to be God. Great theologian Charles Spurgeon said, quote, I dare say you will think it's very easy to stand still, but it is one of the postures which a Christian soldier learns not without years of training. Stillness is one of the most difficult to learn under the captain of our salvation. The Apostle Paul seems to hint at this difficulty when he says, stand fast and having done it all, stand still, end quote. Right now, you may be looking at the headlines and kind of feeling like the ground is quaking with a rumble of coming Egyptian chariots. But your heart, your heart can be still in his irresistible heart and your knees may quake, but never, sisters, let your faith in him quake. Never. Your strength is in your stillness because your stillness says you are still in him. Are you making it a daily practice? a practice every day in the midst of the headlines and all the incoming to pause and to take several deep breaths. Even the sound of our breath is saying his name, Yahweh, Yahweh calling to him. And just in stillness, pray before the irresistible heart of Jesus who calms our own heart. Because your stillness is your act of trustfulness. This daily practice is changing my life. Always first stillness. Be still and know that I am God. Next verse. And Jehovah said to Moses, why do you cry to me? When we begin a way of life, a spiritual practice of stillness, there's space made for attentiveness, a way to hear, to listen, to attend to God's questions to me. We might have big questions for God. Why this impossible? Why this story? Why this way right now? But God too has questions for us in scripture. And when we are attentive to God's questions to us, we step into more of his answer for us right in front of us. See, in the middle of seeming no ways, as I practice stillness, make it a practice then to be attentive to God's questions to me. I just pick up a pencil and I start journaling out my own personal answers to questions God has right here in the text. Like God says to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Like God says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Just like Bobby said, we have to know the irresistible nature of God. Who do you say that I am? Like God asks Hagar, where are you coming from? And where are you going to? Like Jesus says to the blind man, what do you want? Asking yourselves the question God asks you will start to give you answers. So that's my spiritual practice out of Moses' way before the Red Sea. It's to first still and then take a journal and be attentive to God's questions in Scripture to His people. I'm asking myself every morning, first thing in my devotions, those three questions right out of Scripture, and it's changing my life. They're all God questions. Number one, who do you say that I am, Anne? Number two, where are you coming from? Where are you going to? It's a time of confession and a time of declaration about where I'm going. And number three, what do you want? Aligning my heart to God's heart. Those three questions every single day, I call them my soul mapping. If I use a daily mapping of my own soul, I don't get lost. If we don't take the time every single day to attend to God's questions to us, how can we really expect to hear God's answers for us? 
And so we are attentive to God's questions right there in scripture that make us attentive to see where we're really at in our own souls. We can't see the way forward from here. Stillness, attentiveness. And then the text says, and God speaks to Moses, as for you, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and split it right apart. Hands raised, stretched out. We were here yesterday, remember? Cruciform, say the word to me. Cruciform, say it louder. Cruciform, that's the center of everything. To live shaped and formed like a cross. Because that's the way we imitate the ways of Christ. That's the way we have the mind of Christ. That's the way we incarnate Christ in the world. Lean in. The only way we cross through the waters is to live shaped like a cross. You might be wondering, okay, Anne, what does it actually look like though to live cruciform? Well, that cross, it's our literal compass for living a cruciform life. You picture the vertical beam of the cross. Absolutely everything, even the hardest things, are a gift that comes down from the Father. John 3, 27, no one can receive anything unless it comes to him from God above. And then all my thanksgiving goes back up the vertical beam to him. Give thanks in all circumstances. Look, faith isn't a drill. This is what we have to drill down into our everyday practical life. If you have to have daily practices if you were to actually practice your faith. So, so you have to pick up your pen, put down, write out, what are you grateful for? Let nothing steal your thanksgiving to God. So in everything you stand strong in God, a daily habit of gratitude will radicalize your faith. This is where the rubber hits the road, folks. This is where we move from rote religion to right relationship with God. That's that vertical beam of the cross. Now that horizontal beam of the cross, if the vertical beam is thanksgiving, going back up for all the gifts that come down, that horizontal beam, that's our posture of givenness out into the world. Surrendered, given to God and surrendered to people. Reaching out and passing on all the gifts that we've been given so that other people can experience the irresistible heart of Jesus too. So every single day in my own journal, I have that vertical, the gratitude list every day. And then I have the horizontal. I have a given list every day. How did I intentionally live given today? Because you know what? That cures me of what we talked about yesterday, incurvitis, turning inward toward myself. That cross, cruciform, living cruciform, straightens out my life so that I'm reaching out towards God and man. You know, you know how other people have to-do lists? As believers in Christ, that cross is our to-do list. When I was in Israel a few years ago, I had a cross inked on my wrist um, by a family that had been doing tattoos, inkings of pilgrimages in um, Jerusalem since 1300, 26 generations. I wanted it right there on my wrist to say, this is my to-do list. This is my compass through everything. So I'm gonna ask you right now to take a pen and write a cross on your wrist. I'm trusting there's not going to be any ink poisoning out of this. <laughs> but if you will write that on your wrist right now, that's your sticky note. That's your visual reminder 
of what the form and shape of your life is to look like. So I got a message after a conference one last weekend from a woman who said 30 of us went out after your message and we got cross tattoos on our wrists. <laughs> and I actually tried to take Shalom, who is 14, to get herself a cross inked on her wrist here in Sydney. And I was told you can't, it's illegal to do that for a 14 year old. So I'm so sorry. Um, but you want, you want to remember what is your to-do list every single day? Can you, can you hold up your to-do list? Right there, as you walk out of these doors, that's it folks. True transformation will happen in the world when we live cruciformation. This was Moses' way through the Red Sea, stretch out his hands and the sea split wide open to walk through into the irresistible presence of God. So these are my practical, spiritual practice to every day stay in his presence. Stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity. And now the text reads, and the messenger of God said, and the messenger of God that was going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. I mean, talk about an unforgettable sign. <laughs> that pillar of cloud that led the people through was astonishing sign that God was making a way. I mean, how many times have you said, I could you just be a pillar of cloud in front of me, Lord? <laughs> or, or I'll take a banner behind a plane and all caps. <laughs> or, or maybe just like, a gilded note from the pearly gates comes down through the mail slot, lands like an angel feather at my feet. Please and thank you, Lord. Make it clear. But you know what? We have a sign. We have a revelation. Like the pillar of cloud fire that once led, the presence of the spirit fire leads us now. Pour out your spirit, Lord, pour out your spirit. Like God gave the children of Israel a cloud fire guide, he gives his children now the Holy Spirit as a guide. Which means, which means there isn't just light at the end of your tunnel, but there is his light who leads you actually all the way through the tunnel. My fama husband and I lay in bed every night and it's our practice to hold hands and pray for the spirit, beg God's spirit. Actually, first conference, I videoed on my phone, us all singing together, pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit, and sent it to him. And he texted me back, he said, I'm sitting here crying, Anne. That has been our prayer over and over and over again. Pour out your spirit. We need a fresh revelation, a fresh wind from heaven. Because, because you have the spirit that does war with every spirit coming against you so that you don't have the spirit of fear. You have the mystery of the spirit to lead you through all every other mystery. You have a fresh revelation of God in his word. This is a spirit book. This book speaks to every soul caught between a rock and a hard place. Reach for this at the beginning of every day before you reach for your phone. I've actually been carrying around my phone on top of this Bible. So that when I go to reach for my phone, I think, am I reaching for my Bible for God's word as much as I'm reaching for the screen? 
We have to make it a practice to get first thing into God's word, not because scripture reading gets us into God's good graces, but because getting God's word into us is what we need to stay alive. If we aren't steeping our life in God's word, our life will be soaked in lies, sister. It's my spiritual practice, literally looking for a fresh revelation from God in his word every day and out in the world around me every day. We can say we want the way before us to be revealed to us, but if we aren't seeking a fresh revelation from God in his word and his word, we don't really mean that. And if you are desperate for a revelation from God, fast. We are fasting right now all the way through Lent. Because when you fast to God so that he is your only comfort, you are pulling so close to him in that fasting, fasting yourself right to him that he will reveal more of himself to you. Stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, revelation. And then the text reads, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses, Exodus 14, 30, 31. Israel saw what God did that day. Israel reflected on and saw the great power of God, reflected on what God had done. Israel examined how God had forged an impossible way. And at the end of the day, Israel examined God's hand and it changed their hearts. So my own spiritual practice has been at the end of every single day, especially when you're facing impossible things, I need to do my own examine of my own heart, an examine of the day reflecting on every, any revelations from God, reflecting on how I turn towards God or how I did incurvitis and turn towards myself. And actually Leanne mentioned the verse last night that I use every single night when I hit the pillow, Mark 4:40. Why are you so afraid? Every night when my head hits the pillow, that's my question. Because the next line of that is, why are you so afraid? Do you not have faith? My fear is undermining my faith. So he and I every night have this intimate exchange, time of confession on my part around that one question. Why are you so afraid? Because part of the way out of the hard is to examine your own heart. Moses' way is saying here, there is no Exodus, sisters, unless we have an examine. All the spiritual giants, theologians like John Wesley, George Whitefield, Ignatius, they, all of their faith, they made it a daily practice to examine their hearts. Are we? Look what scripture says. David, Psalms 119.59, I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. God himself says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Paul implores, but each one may examine his own works. Is that part of your spiritual practice? Are you making time in the rhythm of your days to really think about how your life is? Examine, probe your own heart so you can return to the Lord. God is saying the way to genuinely practice your faith is to daily practice taking some time to grab a journal and examine your own ways at the end of the day. Just examine your heart. Why am I so afraid? And what comes after the Exodus? Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, 
for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This is my God and I will praise him. Of course that's what happens. Thanksgiving, praise, doxology, tambourines. When the Israelites had to flee Egypt in the middle of the night, they had hardly any time at all. They didn't have time to grab hardly anything. But what do the women do? The women make sure they grab their tambourines. Why? Because they had faith to believe that whatever was in the way, God was going to make a way to give thanks. Hanging on our living room wall at home on the farm over top of the couch, Shalom will testify, her weird mother, I have a collection of tambourines hanging over top of the couch because I never want to forget that no matter what is in the way, I can fully expect that God will make a way for me to give thanks. Remember your tambourines, sisters. Remember your tambourines. It's in my practice for the last 15 years to keep giving thanks, to keep riding out all that I am grateful for that the Lord is doing because our God commands us to give thanks in everything because this is the way you live through everything. Jesus, when he was staring right into the very face of evil, what does he do? Scripture says, and on the night he was betrayed, Jesus broke bread, lifted it up, and gave thanks. If Jesus can give thanks in that, we can give thanks in anything. If Jesus chooses gratitude as elemental in destroying evil, do you have a better weapon against the dark? Gratefulness is not only a celebration when good things happen. Gratefulness is a declaration that God is good no matter what happens. We will give thanks to God, not because of how we feel, but because of who he is. Amen? No, no disaster, no storm, no cancellation, no termination, no catastrophe can stop God's daughters from giving thanks to him. Because we, no matter, no matter where we are, every Thanksgiving always brings us home, home to the heart of our Father, always. Even the secular research proves that if you pick up a pen and just write down three things every day that you are grateful for, you will end up 25% happier than you are right now. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be 25% happier than they are right now? Put your hands up. It's free. All you got to do is grab a pen. Okay, I'm daring you all with your hands up. Grab your pen in the next season and write down just three things you're grateful for. We get to take it or leave it. Doxology or dark. Gratefulness is not what you feel after a time of joyfulness, sisters. Gratefulness is what you have to choose right where you are to get to joyfulness. The bottom line is being grateful to God is what makes you joyful in God. So this is Moses' way, moving into the promised land of God's presence. These spiritual practices of Exodus have become my spiritual practices, my way of life to move more into the heart of Jesus. Because if we don't have real practices of our faith in life, it's our life that fails. So sisters, this is our sacred way of life.
stillness to know God, attentiveness to hear God, cruciformity to surrender to God, revelation to see God, examine to return to God, doxology to thank God. This is our sacred way through all of our impossibles. It's the way Moses modeled sacred. What does the word mean? Set apart. Set apart because what is happening here, I'm with you. <laughs> it's set apart. Wow. Set apart for what? Look what the text says. The Lord led the sea with a mighty east wind all night. And he made the sea dry ground and the waters were split apart. And the Israelites came into the sea on dry land. The water is a wall on their right and on their left. And I really want you to track with me here. Genesis 15. God cuts the heifer, the ram, the goat in half. And then after sun, he laid out the halves and he blazed like a pillar of fire between the pieces. Why does he do that in Genesis 15? He's making a covenant with Abraham. And now here, what does he do? The waters are split in two, in half. And God is passing through the waters. Why? To make a sacred covenant with you. It's like a marriage covenant he's making to his people. That's why you're set apart. It's a sacred way of life to be set apart for communion and witness into his irresistible heart. That's what he wants more than anything. That splitting apart of the Red Sea, it's a covenant of intimacy with you. God wants you. He wants communion with you. He wants you to want to be with him, to find him irresistible. Will you set yourself apart for communion with him? Because you see, track with me now, God is calling his people out of bondage with Pharaoh. That word in the Hebrew is avadim, A-V-A-D-I-M. He calls them out of bondage to Pharaoh. And then do you know what he calls them to? Same Hebrew word, Avadim. Why? He's calling you out of bondage from Pharaoh to bonding with him. Wow. God says, let my people go so they will bond to me. They will attach to me. Let God be your person. Your heart attached to him. No matter what impossible wall is in front of you, struggling painful health, difficult relationships, flailing dreams. Can you look at your Red Sea and see possibility? A possibility of freedom from bondage to the story you want, to bonding with God because you want him most. What is in the way is making the way to bonding with him. Yeah. What was in the way for the Israelites, the Red Sea, when they pass through it, it makes the way into the promised land. Whatever is in your way right now, sisters, it is making the way for you right now. A way for you to pray more, a way for you to trust more, a way for you to lean into Jesus more, 
a way for you to commune with him more? What is in the way is making way for you to hunger for him more. What is in your way is making the way for you to move into Jesus and abide with him. So write it down. Put it on a sticky note. Stick it right over your sink for this next season. What your obstacle is. Your obstacle is your miracle. What your obstacle, whatever is in the way, the crisis, the sickness, the prodigal, the marriage, God will use that to do miraculous work in you, to want more of God, have more of God, stay more in God, to love God more, Him being your ultimate irresistible one. In the midst of our absolute impossible, God did. He split the Red Sea from China to our little farm and brought a little girl with a broken heart straight into our hearts. And a year ago this month, after she had had her third open heart surgery, I spent countless nights sitting up in a chair beside her in pediatric ICU, holding her hand as she worked hard to heal from the surgery that had cut her chest open, cut her heart open. And after a long night of pain and monitoring her erratic heart rate, I slipped down to the hospital's children's library to find just a few books that maybe I could read to her and try to distract from the pain for her. And I was, I walked into this library there on the display. It's a government-funded hospital, a public hospital, are these books sitting on easels. And out of thousands of books, the hospital library is not featuring Beatrix Potter or Paddington Bear. There are six books facing out all about the Passover and the exodus out of Egypt through the Red Sea. I tenderly picked up these six children's books to take up to our baby girl's room. I felt like I was on holy ground. And I opened up the books in the midst of beeping heart monitors and lines and EKG leads. And, and I opened up those books beside our little girl and there it is in full color. The little girl I said that God could make no way to. Little girl that I was thinking about sitting in a farmer's pickup truck. And as I read the pages to her, I'm thinking when we can't see a way, he will part the waves and we will never walk alone on a Red Sea road. We will never walk alone on a Red Sea road. Your way maker will make you a Red Sea road that leads out of bondage to your ways and into bonding with him that always leads you into his heart. The day when we took our little heart warrior home, she was released from the hospital, packed her into the pickup truck, buckled her in, and they were doing um, construction all around the hospital. So my husband just punched it into the GPS, take us home. And um, we're heading down streets that we'd never been on before. And as we stopped at a stoplight, he turned to me and he said, hey, Anne, look up and see what street we're on right now. And I turn and I see this. Moses way. <laughs> Moses way, stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, revelation, examine doxology. And in that moment, my heart was beaten so hard with our Savior's heart. Exodus out of bondage. 
into bonding with God. Exodus for attachment, exodus for connection. God leads us out, sisters, to lead us in. The Waymaker makes a way into more of His heart. No matter what the headlines are gonna tell you in the next couple of weeks, know that when you feel out of your depths, you are touching the depths of God in the middle of your Red Sea. What is in the way, no matter what happens in this next season, what is in the way will become the way. Your obstacle is your miracle. And all the wayfinders said to the way maker before their Red Sea Road, Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.